Construct with Clark and Alyssa. So I, I I brought you a gift. Oh, did you? It's not it anything under those books. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey. I, brought, I brought chocolate because nothing makes me want chocolate more than watching this movie. <laughs> There's a lot of chocolate. Have eating. some chocolate. It's I was gonna go get Cadbury, but I went mm. to the wrong grocery store and it didn't have it. And so I was like, well, I'm not gonna pay for non-British chocolate that's expensive here. I'm just gonna so going with the Hershey's. Get Hershey's from home. So this makes me want s'mores real bad. Alyssa. This this is from my s'mores stash. Oh yeah, for real. <laughs> Um, I just used my marshmallows to to cook together all of my um, like one cup left of five different kinds of cereal into like <laughs> knockoff Rice Krispies, and so I was like, well, like might as well get rid of the chocolate too. Heck yeah! So have some chocolate; it'll make you feel better. <laughs> there's the there's the side where you open it. There it is. I believe that you can be smarter than the Hershey's wrapper, Clark. <laughs> Usually both ends are the same, but apparently not. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I remember reading in the book that, like, they were giving the kids big chunks of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sounds unwieldy. Mm-hmm. And then the movie shows, yes, in fact, it was unwieldy amounts of chocolate. Like, you shouldn't eat that much. It would... Like, I'm going to take a little hammer and mm-hmm. sickle and just like just a little a giant yeah yeah carve out a chunk yep like a like a good parmesan anyway mm-hmm. so yeah I, I mostly wanted to eat chocolate but... this is great this is gonna make for the best audio mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note this is the season finale of uh wordstruck season three da 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 not filmstruck have you seen those ads on your facebook no filmstruck that's a thing now that's not us um i haven't seen these are you are you making this up no seriously (laughs) it's a thing it's it's like a movie fan service i don't know what it is but if they have the budget for facebook ads they're on a whole other level yeah we have facebook ads yeah we did once hi everybody (sighs) did anybody watch the movie with us anybody Raise your hands at home if you watched a movie with us. Oh, I see you. Shouted us in your car if you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) You should have, because it was a good movie, I thought. Yeah, so uh, what movie was it that we watched, Clark? Oh, yeah, it was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Nope. Oh. uh, (laughs) Once upon a time, that was the answer. (laughs) Cursed Child? No, it was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm. Ding, ding, ding. Mm. (sighs) Ah. Good Nothing chocolate. like chocolate and Earl Grey tea. Yeah. Like they go together so well. Chocolate and coffee might be better. Oh, okay. Nope. <laughs> Guess not. Your look says no. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a mocha fan. I don't like mochas. Hmm. That's okay. <sighs> I've I've been bitten by the pumpkin spice bug because mm. it's the season. It's fall. It's officially fall. Yeah, it's officially fall. Man, that's great. My Facebook did the like <laughs> with the leaf animations leaf thing that reminded yeah. me a lot of harry potter day yeah i was like i like it when you do these these animation things they're mm. fun they're okay it's better they're than when fun. they whatever <laughs> it's better than when facebook tells me rise and shine clark go out and get the day and i'm like screw you facebook this is terrible i wish there was a never show me this again because i don't need a pep talk from facebook don't I... you though no facebook's not my friend <laughs> facebook's like the opposite of a friend it keeps me up later than I want to, even though I tell it no. 
It, uh, I can think of a couple of friendships like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, Alyssa. <laughs> well, anyway. Oh, shoot. Are we mm. break- are, is our friendship breaking up? No, nah, man. We still have to start reading other books after this. That's right. After a brief. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I want to catch everybody up at the beginning of the episode for those that might not always make it through every episode because um, after we're done talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, we're going to take... A brief little break and do a couple like of the episodes where we talk about books that we like and you know those questions that we answer about books uh feel free to send us some on twitter by the way at wordstruckpod um but then we're going to read not harry potter just for a just for a few episodes we're going to try it out we're going to read a book that Alyssa knows the name of I told you so many times have you I haven't bought written this down. book no not yet okay it's uh never let me go by kazuo ishiguro mm-hmm and we're breaking it down into like three parts because apparently it's a book that's written kind of in three parts. Yeah, there are there are chapters in the parts, but I honestly think that it would be torturous to <laughs> break it down anymore. I mm. could be wrong. You you might yeah, we'll see. firmly disagree with me, but <laughs> uh, I I think we'll be able to do it in three parts. So yeah. Worst case scenario, we split one of the episodes up into two separate episodes, and not the end of the world. Um, if you've read any Kazuo Ishiguro or uh, have read this before, we'd love to hear from you to see if you're with us and we'll be rereading or if you're going to try to read along with us and try something new, we'd love to hear. So please let us know. And if you do try to read along with us, Alyssa does advise apparently. Don't watch the trailer for the movie. The movie is great. Don't watch it. Don't do any research on the internet. There are Things that come up that you don't want to be spoiled on because they're better if you if they're not spoiled. Yeah, so media blackout if you're going to read it and really want to get the full experience. You'll probably read it in three nights. Yeah, that's so. Everyone I know of who has read it has read it in three nights. Like it's it's a little bit addictive. Yeah, so you can read the whole thing before you listen to the podcast. That's fine. You don't have to like stay at our pace. That's fine. But um, do yourself a favor and don't spoil it for yourself by reading reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just trust if Alyssa recommends it enough to to bring me onto it that it's going to be worth your while worth your while i made the mistake when i was reading it for the first time of getting really excited and like oh there's a movie and it's got like andrew garfield (laughs) and um kira knightley Mm, and mm -hmm. who's the other um she's she's in the doctor who episode blink uh carrie carrie some i forget what her name is now but um they're like all-star cast. I love all of them. And I was getting really excited and I was like a third of the way through the book and I watched like 30 seconds of the trail trailer and I realized like I have made a grave mistake. Abort, oh, abort, no. no, like pull out, like, yep, but yep. It, it's, it, it spoiled some things for me. So, well, cool, but I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, if you guys like, like Alyssa said, if you were reading it along with us or if you're rereading or if you're just excited about us reading a book that's not harry potter let us know because you know we hear we hear mixed things some people are like so happy to be going through the whole harry potter series and other people just want to hear us talk about books in general so yeah let us know we're trying it plus uh, i think just for clark's uh mental health we're (laughs) taking a break so it's a lot of of kids books man (laughs) catches up to me try something different yeah anyway uh with that out of the way um let's talk about the movie I wanted to point out, because I didn't realize this until earlier today, 
that the director of this, like we we have a new director for mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. that we had Christopher Columbus, Chris mm-hmm. Columbus, the past two. Um, and so first new director is Alfonso Cuaron. Okay. Who uh, was the director of, and I think writer of Gravity. Oh. He did Children of Men. Oh, jeez. He okay. did Y Tu Mama Tambien, which I think won like a best foreign language film or something at Oscar. Does that Oscar. just mean And You, Mother? And Your Mom as well, I think. Hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's, Tambien. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. Um, but the like deep those are the things that he's like most known for plus this but deep in the catalog before he did harry potter and before all this other stuff he directed a little princess oh really which i think is part <laughs> of why they picked him for this because he's huh. do- he's done a fantastic fantastical children's film yeah huh well that's cool yeah so, it makes sense i was trying to figure out like okay like the film he did right before this was E2 Mama Tambien which mm. is like kind of raunchy and yeah, yeah. Spanish language um, road trip film and hmm. just like it doesn't uh, the leap is a little curious <laughs> <laughs> but a little princess to Harry Potter sort of yeah it, yeah it sort of fits I mean and that there's like a a good eight years difference between those two but it, it's still like He's done sort of a similar fantastical children's story with a darker theme. Mm, mm-hmm. And so. Well, and with this new director came a whole new Hogwarts. Yeah. A whole new approach. And and also with this director came a whole new budget, which I think we can talk about mm. in a little bit. I do want to talk about some of the improvements, especially with the, like, the special effects mm-hmm. and the production value in general. But first, new Hogwarts, mm-hmm. new feel. Um what were like what was the first moment for you where you realized this is a different director because- um there's something there's something about his that we haven't seen very much of that is a lot of handheld and constantly moving mm. scenes mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. The, the camera rarely stops and it it sort of starts to take off at at really the leaky cauldron yeah definitely and then and, then and like, the night bus too but the night bus isn't like there are some pauses. There are some there are some like steady shots mm-hmm. in that. Like just the fact that the night bus is moving doesn't. It's not so much of that, like as that like two minute long <laughs> cut. Yeah. Um. At, at, in in the leaky cauldron. So it's that just feels so different from a very static sort of severe. Um very safe feeling i think hogwarts mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like we're we're just uh, that felt very different i think as a as a kid i had no idea it it mm. felt very different but i think it yeah. w- it was those details and then the thing that stuck out to me when i first saw it was how many details in the background oh. mattered more huh. like you have like the random throwaway scene in the leaky cauldron that i absolutely love of housekeeping knocking on the door. Oh, like, and the monster housekeeping. Someone opens interface. the door and roars, and she just <laughs> slams the door shut. And like, I'll come, I'll come back later. <laughs> like, and then using that as a transition to see Scabbers and Crookshanks, like it served a purpose because they needed to show Scabbers and Crookshanks running down a hallway. And what a great way to make give that moment just a little bit more weight and a little bit 
instead of just cutting to like an empty hallway or just seeing Scabbers and Crookshanks, they show him running by the feet of this housekeeper after this little moment. Well, and, it, and and they did that um, and didn't waste time showing me a place that I've already been. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it didn't uh, waste too much time. Like a lot, in the book, Harry spends a lot of time at the ice cream pol- parlor. Yeah, and like, yeah kind of makes friends with the ice cream parlor owner mm-hmm. and like we don't have that relationship at all but i you don't need it like you just need to feel like you are in a magical place yeah and it does yeah. that so swiftly yeah and i i think the general consensus for me is it felt like the director was less apologetic for making the compromises that he made like he made a lot of compromise like you can't just straight up adapt a book to film. It, there has to be a lot of compromises. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what he took away, first of all, he didn't feel this. I don't, it just felt like he was confident in his compromises. I wish there was a better way for me to like contextualize it or give it meat. But like he took out a lot of scenes and that's okay. He didn't feel like this need to reference it. He didn't feel, and like what he did in exchange is put back a lot of quotes directly from the book and Mm -hmm. a lot of moments directly from the book that I actually like recognized. And I'm like, I know they had these moments in the movies before, but it felt a lot more like, Hey, no, I recognize that quote. It felt a bit more like that. And then he would add like little things, even like when we were talking about how, there's no small like if you ask Hagrid for a large cup of something it's gonna be really big and we were kind of talking about that because it seemed obvious and Hagrid even said in the movie you won't find any small cups in my house I'm like thank you (laughs) thank you like it's an obvious thing and it makes sense that someone actually talking to somebody else would kind of make a quip like that so it's little things like that where he did a great job of making it feel more natural and and just by making it so characters actually say and do what characters would actually say and do in real life instead of what they did in the book. And yeah, I don't know. It, it, it felt, yeah, a little more relaxed. That's, um, and th- this is, this is jumping a little bit into my writing sort of focus of looking mm-hmm. at like, sort of what he picked and what he picked to exclude. Um, I think that, and and I think this is direction too. I think that a lot of the scenes in the Shrieking Shack, mm-hmm. m- the I guess the scene the scene in the Shrieking Shack, yeah. made a lot more sense to me watching the movie than it did in the book. Like yeah. I believe, like and and part of that is just the fast paced nature of it. They didn't waste time doing exposition. The mm-hmm. exposition that they did take time to share felt like they like they really were hashing out what exactly happened and and like people were demanding like no like stop what you're doing tell me this thing and yeah yeah it was it was a lot of like we are negotiating precious minutes f- to explain precious few details yeah yeah and 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 then like the the decision of Lupin to be like well okay so let's do it now let's kill him now sort of a thing it just all felt so quick that it didn't give me enough time to feel like you're turning very sinister. It yeah. felt very like in in a pre, in a time pressure cooker. Yeah, and yeah. They had to act, or else something was going to go horribly wrong. And look, they didn't act, and something went horribly wrong. Yep, like it, yep. all of the stakes felt higher yeah. because time mattered. Though the book did, 
continue one of the like one of the cardinal sins of the book in my opinion or of that scene actually did translate over to the movie where Sirius Black kept saying no someone's gonna die today someone's gonna like at some point he should have said I'm not gonna kill you like he like because because he kept like being sinister towards Harry and going towards Harry and being threatening towards Harry and saying no someone's gonna die today and I remember reading that in the book and I'm like dude just say like Harry we're not here to kill you there's someone else here that we're here to kill and it's not any of you three like something like that of like we're not here to kill any of you like I'm it's I, like why why be threatening and walk towards Harry and say someone's gonna die why don't do that just like I don't think he's concerned about any of the kids in that scenario uh, I don't think he's concerned about making them feel better I don't think he's concerned about making sure they understand where he's coming from he is 100% thinking Peter can hear me yeah and like someone's gonna die today, Peter. I just don't like the pronoun game. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, 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 I agree. It's we could have done without it. But I think the alternative of I'm gonna calmly explain to you that your life is not in danger changes the nature of the scene. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, in a way that I, I think they sort of uh, transposed it into something that makes a lot more sense and feels a lot more natural without completely changing it yeah that makes sense hmm so so uh, nope go ahead (laughs) so going back a step or two um there are a few kind of mood changes that happened in hogwarts and a lot of that Mm -hmm. was accomplished through um I guess a bigger emphasis on special effects and how they handled stuff stuff like the moving paintings so many and I, i don't know if that was just like like advanced technology bigger budget like well when you don't have to animate all the moving stairs and you don't have to establish that this whole place is magical and like when you can assume that people already know that then you can spend more money on like the details within that because there weren't any grand sweeping things even like of Dumbledore changing the whole table to be something else there are way fewer moments like that whereas the first two movies seem to relish making all this food appear and and all the banners change and everything change this movie was way more willing to like have stuff like uh the owl wow the lightning shooting owl what is hedwig hedwig i kept wanting to say hagrid hedwig like there's a season change thing where hedwig just like flies one direction and like he flies and then snow starts falling and now it's a winter scene and i'm like huh that's one way to do it (laughs) like he's the director saved so much time and effort on those little things and those like all right let's change the whole castle that instead he's just like no but what about the things that these students actually interact with every day like the paintings like I don't know, like stuff like that. I really loved that there are so many ghosts in this film. Yeah, ghosts. The kids are walking down the hall, and then this like headless horseman like breaks yeah. through glass. Yeah, and like glass, like ghost glass breaks. Yeah, and which is he, like goes through singing, swinging his head, and goes on, and that's it. And it's, it's like fifteen seconds tops. Yeah that you see this ghost and it's totally a callback to like that's the headless hunt like that is a, that is a cool thing <laughs> yeah for me a person who has read the books to get like this callback and for a person who is really bummed we didn't have the death day party in the second film 
I got a, I got a little fix for that, yeah, and so that was really cool. And I feel like Alfonso and I are on the same page for that. Yeah, <laughs> and still no peeves, and Alfonso and I are on the same page for that. We, still we, no peeves. We guessed that it'd be really weird and awkward for them to bring peeves back, but if ever a movie to do it, well, this maybe still wouldn't be it, but still didn't happen. That's fine. Um, I think peeves has to do something in the books to make to to make his presence necessary yeah (laughs) and he hasn't done it yet Hmm. i don't know so some of the relationship i guess let's talk about some of the changes that they made just with how people interact with each other uh like i want to talk about how lupin straight up scolds harry potter like big time after the marauders map Mm -hmm. like in the hallway he's like i'll vouch for you this one time but after this like it was not a friendly like in the books it was a much more like almost he felt like a father figure lupin did whereas i feel like the movie made it seem a lot more like yeah he cares about you but he is your teacher he's not trying to care about you he did say something about you like your father you know but it still felt like watching the movie i never would have guessed like oh well harry could just go live with lupin where in the book i'm like lupin these two are like good buds but like i don't i don't know am i crazy because i just remember like lupin scolded harry after the marauders have i'm like jeez like that's real that's yeah so that that whole scene was odd to me because how they got there okay so in the book the marauders map is found and lupin saves harry because harry's throwing mud at malfoy at the shrieking shack and yeah, malfoy yeah. Like sees the invisibility cloak sl- slip down, and he runs to the castle to go tattle. And Harry runs to the castle to try to make it look like he's been there the whole time. Yeah, and he's caught by Snape. And in the movie, Harry's just using the Marauder's map, which he already has, to find Peter Pettigrew, who he can yeah. see on the map, which is a massive change in the plot. Yeah, which I I'm sort of have mixed emotions about. Like that that uh, for me is one of the worst changes in in the book is that plot point. Yeah. I think we probably truncate some things, but it's it's a pretty big <laughs> That's like a pretty change. big part of the reveal. Yeah. Is that Pettigrew is still alive. The thing is if they I would agree with you if they had shown Scabbers in that scene. And Scabbers had run by his feet. And... Well I think he did and you just didn't see him. Really? Well I, I mean, mean was, yeah Scabbers was, dark. was there. He was yeah. there. But if the camera had shown Scabbers I think it might be a little heavy-handed then. That would have been way... And that's... Yeah, and I would have agreed with you where it's like, oh, well, there's the, there's the reveal. There he is. But with this, it's like, no, Pettigrew's here, but where? Is he in the walls? I mean, the whole thing about the last book is the snake was in the walls. So the idea of having this invisible thing that it's there and Harry knows it's there, but that's not actionable, I didn't mind that. Well, I also, like, I can't believe that Harry sees Peter Pettigrew's name on the map in the night and gets up and, and he gets up and goes after him I get I get that yeah but he doesn't bring the invisibility cloak yeah totally totally like you're gonna go in completely exposed yep yeah I agree to see this guy who's supposed to be dead like it just doesn't make sense yeah and like wake Ron up or tell an adult anything uh, yeah like, well yeah. i mean that's classic I, harry potter classic though. classic <laughs> harry he goes and does whatever he wants whenever he wants alone that's fine but like he takes the cloak with him that's mm-hmm. i mean and i i guess in uh when he's caught in the book 
in uh, under the same circumstances yeah he leaves the cloak intentionally but that's because he knows if he bumps into anyone they're going to be suspicious because malfoy told on him and yeah yeah he could get it confiscated it makes sense it like it's an intentional i'm not going to bring this this is i'm gonna walk into a like unknown safe zone here yeah and what would (sighs) and if he was in the invisibility cloak i just don't understand how that scene would play out like well, just, yeah, that's like, yeah. That's why. That's why they did it. But it doesn't. Just knowing Harry, he's smarter than that. He's yeah. dumb about a lot of things, but he's smart about not wanting to get caught. He's already served detention, getting caught late at night. Yeah, a couple sure. of times. Yeah, especially like he had the map. He should have been and looking out for Snape and all that. Yeah. Already served detention for leaving the invisibility cloak somewhere yeah. while he's out late at night. Yeah. Like that is a first book mistake. That's <laughs> how he ended up in detention in the Forbidden Forest when he saw the unicorn in Voldemort. Eh, it moved the plot along. Uh, I didn't I didn't mind the scene that much. <laughs> I it Well, it bothers uh, I mean it bothers me, but the other side of the coin is that it shows that you can see Peter Pettigrew on the map. Yeah. Which yeah. across the board like Harry had the map for half the book. Yeah. And he never saw Peter Pettigrew in his own dorm. See, I completely agree. So like Yeah. That's but that that was a fault in the book as well. Yeah. Well totally. yeah, that that's that's my like I I get that if you're in your dorm room, you're mm-hmm. not going to be looking in your dorm room to see who's there. Yeah, for sure. But uh, that that's something that the book never acknowledged. And so this solves that problem. Yeah. Yeah. But I I I think I think it's at the risk of of other other things. Eh. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't think it did that much damage personally. But <sighs> it yeah. Did so much. <laughs> well, okay, how about Snape as a character? I I liked him more in this movie. I felt like he was a bit more realistic. Turn as... to page 394. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we didn't see him in potions like I don't know. I felt like he was used well. His conversation that he had with Dumbledore when everybody was sleeping, that felt, it made a bit more sense visually of like, they're walking through, checking on everybody. And Snape is like, you know, I warned you, this might happen. And like, and the books were like, how can they expect people not to listen to this and hear See, it? And I still had the same thought in well, the movie. I was like, look at Harry not even trying to listen. <laughs> but in my mind, like, I don't think Snape cared to keep it a secret. Honestly, I think Snape's like, no, I'm going to say this in front of all these people that are walking through and I don't care if someone hears it. You know, I told you something like this might happen. Like, it kind of made sense where it's like, why would Snape doesn't care about discretion right now? He thinks he's right. Like, and Dumbledore probably did say more than Dumbledore would have said, but I don't know. I also felt like Dumbledore was a bit more of a character in the movie uh, because we saw him with Buckbeak, that whole scene, like we saw so many things that, um, I don't know. It just, Dumbledore was actually a character in the movie. Is this new Dumbledore? Was last movie new Dumbledore? Remind this me. This is new Dumbledore. This is new Dumbledore. I actually do like new Dumbledore. Uh, I thought you would. Yeah. Because he's not like whisper Batman of like, it's like, no, I can actually like hear and understand this guy. It doesn't look like he's going to drop dead any minute. Sorry. Rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) But like, (laughs) I know I'm sorry, but it's true. Like he seems like, 
I don't know. I do like New Dumble. Uh, yeah. He's... I don't love him, but I think he I think he gets a bad rap for hmm. I think he does a fine job. Yeah, yeah. Especially like there are other movies that he gets way more flack for, some some choices that he makes coming up. Oh really? But okay. um in this film it it was just so jarring after becoming so familiar with Richard Harris. Yeah. And yeah. then Michael Gambon is just he's a bit more forceful. Yeah, yeah. He is. He's he's stronger, and which yeah doesn't feel like he's like, yeah he's he doesn't seem feeble, and and Dumbledore in the book when I, when I read him he he seems almost graceful. Oh like totally. He's, he's yeah. light on his feet, but it's not it's not an an exhibition of strength. Yeah. It's an exhibition of grace, and so I think that's the dissonance that people feel hmm. when they see Michael Gambon is it's it's he seems harsher. He is harsher hmm. than the Dumbledore who is light and can't be um his his mood can't be swayed by the circumstances of the moment. It's he he sees hmm. much bigger and he has much more faith in the ability of the community to triumph and like he's I don't know, he's just much more unflappable. Yeah. In the yeah. book than in the movie. That yeah, makes sense. So I, I I get I think that's what my initial resistance to him was, but watching it now it's he's like I had to remind myself that because I've seen I've watched this movie so many times <laughs> yeah, I love this yeah. movie I had to remind remind myself that this is a new Dumbledore like when I first saw this this was the first time I saw this Dumbledore and yeah what what graded me really and does it still grate me and I I think. Not in this movie. Hmm. I think he does a fine job. Hmm. He feels a bit more like Gandalf. <laughs> a bit, yeah. which is, I think, some of the issue is is uh, Dumbledore and Gandalf, I think, are really unfairly conflated mm. because okay. they're so different. Okay, yeah. Gandalf is a warrior. He's a yeah. fighter, and yeah. he's scrappy. And Dumbledore's... Uh, he's he's not in the books. No, he's not. He's not as scrappy. That's definitely not a use. He, word he I can one. fight, hmm. but he finds other ways. Yeah, it's hard to demonstrate poise and everything, and still have it be a strong character. I don't. It's. I get it. I get it. Uh, same old Hagrid. Same old. Same old Snape. Same old every. Everybody else, right? Well, I, yeah, I made a whole list of, of the new people, if you want to take a look. Um, the one I really wanted to talk to you about was Professor Trelawney. Oh, yeah. She's a new character. Um, she is on my my list of like cartoon characters that happened in this book. I have several others, like The Executioner, for sure. Um, that weird guy on the night bus like the night bus attendant stan shunpike yeah what was his deal why did he i don't i do not understand that character choice at all why they played him the way they played him why i just don't get it <laughs> like he's creepy he's weird uh also the um the toothless walnut at the bar tom yeah that 
bald bartender guy in that super awkward moment with Harry that went on way longer than it should, where he was like kept trying to push out like nuts and food it's, on him. That went on way longer. It's it's yeah. like the director is like, we need something to be happening during this conversation, but what? And they're like, well, what if we just have this weird guy not taking a hint the whole time? But like, it was as awkward watching it as it would be in real life. Where you're like, dude, uh, why? Why is this movie trying to make me feel awkward right now? It's <laughs> like the, the, the Igor yeah. choice doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Yeah. And what else? Who else was really cartoonish? Um, Pettigrew. Pettigrew was like very much like rat guy where they even gave him the buck teeth and he held his hands up. And it's like you could argue, yeah, he's been a rat for 12 years. That's kind of what he's used to. But like your teeth don't grow when you start like differently when you start acting a different way like stuff like that where it's like no he looks like a rat like it's really hard to imagine this as a real human being because he just seems like such a cartoon version of himself all that to say that's what Trelawney was her eyes like they made her eyes way bigger with that magnific magnification effect um she was equally as irritating in the movie as she was in the book probably the right decision honestly like she is not how I imagined her, really. She's she leans, I think, a lot more on the clipped Trelawney. Mm. Like the someone has ticked me off, and so I'm, I'm going to just have some really short and yeah. hurtful cutting answers. Yeah, but I think she also um, she also lacks grace in a way that I didn't really get from yeah, the book. Yeah. And I'm not sure I, I think it worked. I think it worked for me. Um that she's sort of has these sort of grand ideas of how her class is going to be taught and she <laughs> yeah. forgets that there's a table in front of her and <laughs> Yeah, those little moments. Because I think otherwise she would actually look formidable. Yeah. Like the way yeah. that she was acting it and the things that she has to say, like there's nothing checking that and really adding that element of, mm, is she really awesome though? Like, yeah. Yeah. There wasn't enough time to build out that whole arc. No. And of, so like, is this person legit? Adding that physical humor in. Yeah. yeah. Sort of calls into question her ability. Yeah. Because she's just a bit, mm, she might not all be there and she might be just kind of off her rocker a little bit. So, yeah, I think it was an effective use of the character. And I, you know, again, made a lot of trade-offs. I mostly agree with them because she irritated me in the same way where it's like, ugh, like, man, why is this person making such a big deal over this and drawing everything? I don't, I don't know. I thought it was a good, good trade-off. But, yeah, much different character than I had in my head. I, something that, I, like, I think Emma Thompson is phenomenal in this role. I think she does an excellent job. What else is she in? Who's Emma Thompson? Uh, that's Professor Trelawney. No, but like, um, yeah, who's Emma? Oh, golly. Things that come to mind are probably things that you haven't seen. Um, <laughs> Saving Mr. Banks. Okay. Uh, Sense and Sensibility. Uh, the Parent Trap. Oh, these all sound like good humored, possibly family type movies. Yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, she's excellent. She's so great. Hmm. Um, Th something that I think was a misstep in the writing. Mm -hmm. um, and this more has to do with the treatment of Hermione's character is Hermione and Trelawney. And that showdown yeah. is yeah. so 
the motivation is so different yeah in the film from how it is in the book in a way that cheapens hermione's character yeah i think that like we don't really we don't ever get the sense that hermione's overworked that she's taken too much on nope um ron and hermione don't actually fight like to the point where she is alienated yeah no they bicker a little but honestly they like grow closer throughout the film like there's some there, some no real there's some chemistry there there's some flirting she, going on yeah she leans into him yeah flirting like you said yeah like it felt it, it felt like the beginning of something it did and okay so when they made this movie how many books had been written at that point hmm, 2004 i think rolling told them some things about those two I, think, I really do. I think we might have had one more book at this point. Hmm. I think um, in the same way that she told Snape a lot of things about what his character needed, I think she told the director, hey, these two, if they get closer, that wouldn't be the end of the world. I imagine that the director has been reading into, read into early Harry and Ginny and, and then realized... Hmm why create this character and they were trying to figure out like okay yeah. who are who are our end game ships but Ginny doesn't exist in this book she doesn't exist in this book in this movie in the, rather well or in the book pretty much really in the book. <laughs> yeah. um for being such a pivotal character in the last book she sure uh, doesn't make an appearance yeah like like they should have like she and harry her. should have had more of some kind of relationship really after what they survived together. After what they've been through, they really should have. Yeah. And like, really they're the only two of that whole group Mm -hmm. who has gone toe to toe with Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Like Ron's dad is great, by the way. He's so good. His little moment in this movie was excellent. So much better than Harry overhearing a fight between Mr. And Mrs. Weasley. Yep. Yep. So much better. Yeah. It was really nice. It felt a lot more natural. Uh, It was good. And uh, really, hmm? uh, we had all the way to book five. All the way to book five. Um, by two thousand three. Oh, okay. so I imagine at that point, like they were, so they were probably in post by yeah. the time that 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 book came out. But they at least had four full books to really go off of. Okay. Possibly a fifth. So the director knew, you know, let's not set these two up as enemies with no chance of, yeah. Well, and yeah, it's it's sort of a. Uh, it feels like a rabbit trail yeah yeah for the whole journey i think it it takes a lot of time to show slow ostracization yeah and that's one of the compromises that's yeah that's a good way to sum up what the director took out and and completely felt no need to even mention that it was a thing in the first place is yeah that whole arc and then also one thing i didn't put this in notes i should have uh the whole firebolt subplot. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness the director is just like, we don't need. Th- what does that really add? Like, why? What with the? Maybe it's changed. Who is it from? And Harry couldn't even sleep. And everyone like the firebolt was mentioned so many times. And then we were supposed to get the payoff of Sirius being like, hey, I sent that to you. And I guess we were supposed to be like, what? Like, no. Oh, no way. Like, it felt like the book really wanted us to care about the Firebolt. And okay. the movie, like, the I Firebolt mean, existed. But 
I maintain that I think you were reading that the book wanted you to care about the firebolt way me. more than the book actually wanted you to care no, about the so firebolt. There's so many times where everyone's no, like, No, you oh. brought it up in whole chap, like whole episodes that don't even mention it. I was just <laughs> like, why is Clark so fixated on the firebolt? Ugh. Which has been men- mentioned zero times in the past three chapters. And yet... Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness the firebolt wasn't mentioned in those chapters. Uh yeah, anyway, that that was a good decision too. But yeah, Hermione's arc as a character at first, honestly, like I, I don't know if they delayed her punching Malfoy until they were with the Time Turner. They did. Yeah. Uh, n- not until they were with the Time Turner, but that night. I thought they had I thought they had written that out of the movie and I was so upset. See, this is why I was surprised when it happened mm-hmm. earlier in the book. Oh. When it when it happened, I was like Oh, I thought it came later. <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, when? Like what that that was a perfectly appropriate time for it to happen. But now I, I totally get why you said that. But man, watching the movie, I thought they had just cut that out and I'm like, No. No, you do not lessen the scene of Hermione walking out where she just knocks a ball on the floor and walks out. I'm like, Okay, like this doesn't feel like people Well it, that's that's not the that's not the smack scene. I know, but like not only do you get to diminish that scene but also take out the smack scene. I'm like, no way. Like, and and then the smack scene actually happened, and Harry's just like, good hit. And I'm like, there we go. And then they mention it one more time when they are in the time turner and they watch it happening. Yeah. So at first I thought they were taking away a moment from Hermione, but like they actually did have it a little bit later, and then they showed it one more time. And yeah, it was good. It was good. So yeah. See, now now I'm blanking on when it happens actually in the book again. Mm. When when does it actually happen in the book? I forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When does it Okay. So so yeah, so in the book, Hermione smacks Malfoy after Hagrid walks the three of them back to the castle and they're talking about Buckbeak lost his his first his trial and they're going to appeal and they're like yeah. making their battle plan, but it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Like we're going to get trying, through it. Yeah. And and they're like trying to build him up and make him feel better. Like it's, it's a good thing. And Hermione like turns to Ron and is like, I'm really, really sorry about scabbers. Like, mm-hmm. and she's making all these amends and then Malfoy, Crabbe and Goyle like pop out of nowhere. Yeah. And then just yeah. like start making fun of Hagrid and Hermione comes to Hagrid's defense. And that happens in the movie too, but it's just, a different time and so i yeah yeah like this is why i didn't have any problem with where it is in the movie like we didn't need that we didn't we didn't need several trips to hagrid's mm-hmm. for him to be sad i think hagrid is a much more um adept adult in this film than yeah. he is in the book he was less cartoonish and he's more responsible and he's he's able to like see what's best for the kids and like mm-hmm. he he doesn't do that like i'm losing track of what time it is and whether you should even be here visiting me like he does that all the time in the books like we've seen it repeatedly oh wait what are you doing here you shouldn't be here <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so i i think he's he's a lot more of a a real adult in the film and yeah, that's that's just why when it when it happened in the book as early as it did, I had to like wait. <laughs> Hold up. We're not we're not there yet, are we? We're hmm. not we're not to the Oh, I completely forgot that this happened this early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It worked out. 
I just I'm just glad they didn't take it out because I would have been very upset. I don't think they could. No, I think that would have upset a lot of people. It's it's her <laughs> her triumphant yeah. moment. Yeah, it just I feel like they they upped the stakes because they made it a punch. Yeah, I was. Oh yeah, I'm so glad you said that because we were talking about like smack. What does smack mean? And uh, nope, she straight up decked the guy. <laughs> Which is great. It's great. Another thing I love about that scene is is where it takes place. Um, going back a little bit to the set. Yeah. Um, it's in the middle of some standing stones. Yeah, and they were able to frame it in such a way that it was really cinematic. And then even like the replay felt really cinematic with um, how they shot it again for the uh, time turner. Yeah, it's how they shoot it from like a different angle. They did that really well, by the way. Them watching themselves was done so well. Uh. Yeah, but that that kind of goes in the land of effects, kind yeah. of. Um, um, set yeah, wise, the standing stones. That was a beautiful spot for it to happen. It's beautiful, but the the thing that I really loved about it, watching it now, is when I was thirteen or fourteen and watching this movie, I didn't have any clue really what standing stones were. That the stone circles are fairly common throughout the Scottish Highlands and like all this stuff. But now going into it with a little bit more understanding of, of Scottish culture and history that like, Oh, if there was any doubt before, this is definitely in Scotland. Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and like, it, it's just kind of a cool, like that they were, there's a lot of legend that they're affiliated with Druids and that they're mm. magical and all of this. Mm-hmm. And so to incorporate real, legends of of magic in scotland into the new set of a castle that teaches magic in scotland like i was just like this is what a cool little nod to to local history i love this that was a bit lost on me not gonna lie but i'm glad i I know now it's yeah this was the first time that i've ever watched it that that hit me (laughs) that i was like oh my gosh they are in those are standing stones (laughs) like i just thought it was a neat set piece (laughs) i didn't understand the uh cool it's a clever nod i yeah. liked it hmm so i do want to talk uh first of all i do want to just vent one more time some of these characters were so cartoonish the executioner had like a black tattered rag over his head and a wicked smile and it, hmm. it just felt like really but then i'm like this is a kid's movie this is a kid's movie this with, is a kid's movie. with him i tried to look him up because I, I i made a whole list and i was like linking to the people's IMDb page on our notes so that if we ever were like, where have I seen that person before? It was quick and easy. And I was trying to figure out like, oh yeah, the executioner. He was a new character. What else has he been in? This is like the only thing that he's been in. Aww. This and then and, and another Harry Potter movie. And I was trying to figure out like, is this a cameo of some sort? Like, <laughs> did you know someone? How how did you... Could be the director's... Uh... Get- well, Uncle but it, his name's Peter Best. There's no way that person is related to Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> yeah, that's a... I mean, you never know with cousins, but it's, yeah. So, listeners, if you know that like he, it was some kind of cameo or how he ended up... Because I've scoured the internet before this and I couldn't find anything. Huh. So, if you know, I would, I'm would. i dying to know. Like, who is this dude who is only hmm. only has two credits on IMDb and they're both Harry Potter? Like, how? Yeah. Like, that. that is a... So there's that an is executioner a big in a different book. Hmm. Hmm. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> also, that axe was 
so over the top. That was a very large axe. Well, Buckbeak's a big creature. Buckbeak's a big creature. And apparently also dangerous. So. And apparently animated really well. Such great. Such like Such a beautiful... Oh, that I, may be the best effect in the whole movie. Is I think is it the was. real appearance of Buckbeak? I I liked that a whole lot more. The Dementors were also done very well. I thought uh, the Dementors were done well. My least favorite animation. I guess we'll move on to the effects section. Mm-hmm. Effects. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, least favorite was the werewolf, but yes, Buckbeak was really good yeah the werewolf looked not how i would imagine like like different type of werewolf. weirdly greyhound like yeah and there's just there's different classes of werewolves and he fell within one of them that is more <laughs> the extended human werewolf as i would call it where they just take human features and exaggerate it in the way that you would for a dog and it, i much would have preferred a standing up wolf with like or like a wolf with a humanoid body is what I would have preferred. But instead they took like an extended human version of it. It was weird. Let's talk more about Buckbeak though. Buckbeak. <laughs> Buckbeak was so cool and so pretty and and his actions, especially when they're like taking him away from the execution and stuff like that, it was done so believably. And I kind of forgot I was I was making a list of all these effects. I was like, oh, Buckbeak's like not a thing. Like that's not a re- like. That was not practical effects. Like, no. That, <laughs> like they didn't just like, have one of those. I have to put him under special effects because somewhere someone created him on a computer. Like, yeah. But yeah. he just feels so real yeah, watching it, and yeah. and that's, I mean, so much of that is just you know increased budget, but like also yeah. technology was getting better, and I definitely felt it <sighs> the first time we saw Buckbeak. I'm like, yeah, that is a that's some budget there. <laughs> I guess I could have noticed when Aunt Marge was swelling up, um, because Which that was, was definitely also really good effects. Yeah, and one thing also, this comes with budget, hundred percent. Them showing the transitions in the sense of which. I disagree with in the case of the werewolf and Pettigrew, especially Pettigrew. They shouldn't have shown the anamorph style watch every stage between rat and human like that. No. Show a silhouette. Like the Beauty and the Beast style. Yeah. Like I know that doing a silhouette is kind of cheating, but just every time you see every step of the transition from someone to a werewolf or someone from a rat to a human, you just are watching that and you're like, that's going to look real bad in 10 years. And see, and it just I, never works. It just never works. And I even thought that Lupin's transition into the werewolf looked bad then. Like, it's, oh, did it's, you? Okay. It's such a to me, it's a it's a callback to like classic werewolf films, like the 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 way the oh, film changes yeah. and like the was, sound and like the pause. And I'm just gonna stare at the moon. Like, I, I swear head... I've seen that yeah. before. Yeah, and yeah, and. Yeah. On a level, I I appreciate the callback, but on another level, I'm like, this is cheesy. It's yeah. cheesy. I don't need that. I totally know what you mean, where it felt like something else. And in my mind, uh, what I thought was like, this feels like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, or almost like a Hulk thing, uh, where it's like, you know, you see his, him expanding, like almost like popping out of his clothes. Yeah, it felt, like you said, I think that was more of an homage than anything else but it also felt like look at our budget look at that we're able to animate every bit of this and zoom in on it like it it just felt masturbatory to me (laughs) is there a 
how can you say that? Is there like a family friendly word for like masturbatory? Self serving? Yeah, it was very self serving. Um, hmm. So another example of that was yeah, Aunt Marge blowing up. Um, I don't know if everybody acted the way real humans would act in that scene, but whatever. It was that was another cartoon scene, and that's okay. That's yeah, okay. I think. Uh, Dudley is in the book. He's completely oblivious to everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And they really lean into that. Really leaned in. Um, I really like how Vernon responds, though. He's just whimpering. (laughs) He's just. Well, he's. I mean, he like tries to drag her down and he's like dangling by her leg. And then the dog runs out. Like, it's absolutely cartoonish. Yeah. But I believe that that's how he would react. He would be like, my sister is floating away and yeah, I, yeah. Like, I need to stop this and I don't know how. And <laughs> yep. I'm big. I should be able to hold her down. Nope. Okay. <laughs> and then he just lets it happen. Yeah. That was, it was believable, but yeah, just the way it was, it was you know, it was done well. It was done well. What did you think about the actress? For the mother? Or for sorry, Marge. That, for Marge. I thought it was believable. I didn't like her, and she seemed like it. Honestly, that whole scene, it felt right. It really did. I'm like, yeah, this, this seems about right. It was really, it like, a whole chapter was devoted to it in the book, and they did it in a scene. And, and I just, they, they did it so well. smart. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, for that being the first scene in the movie, it automatically gave me a lot of faith in the director, honestly. Just how they handled that whole scene, I'm like, you know, this is already different. This is already going to be good because it doesn't have the same campiness to it. Um, this feels more cartoonish than campy. Not. It doesn't have a that different word for it. That but, that measured quality of like yeah. we have to get enough of all of these things in order to make it make sense. Exactly. You don't. The director just assumed the people can fill in the gaps, and he didn't feel a need to draw out everything and, oh, but look over here. You should really be noticing this. Except for with the with the rat. He did shove the rat in our face a lot. and. But if but, you didn't know, you yeah, wouldn't have true. noticed. That's true. Especially because they he incorporated a lot of other wildlife for transitions, too. That's a good point. Where, like because, like, like Hedwig. Said, yeah. Hedwig, there's... Um, I love how they focused... Uh, they use the Whomping Willow to mm. change seasons a lot of the time. Yeah, that was cool. And if you didn't know what was coming, then that was just kind of a cool effect that yeah. feel just a little like, oh, and here's another magical little something to change the tone. And then, oh, no, yeah. that's a thing that matters that I've been looking at this whole movie. Mm-hmm. And they did that with like the bird that flew through and then the willow swatted and yeah, stuff like yeah. that, that. Which is like, oh, that bird died. <laughs> That's a dead bird now. It's, it's not a, not exactly a nice tree. It reminded me of um, I I felt the same way watching that scene as a, you know, the Prestige, where they mm-hmm. have that birdcage oh. trick in the Prestige. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Where I'm like, oh, a bird died to make this scene possible. <laughs> yeah, I just I like instantly like collapsed when you like it's yeah. so sad but that's exactly how i so felt the whomping birds. willow got the bird that we had just spent all this time getting to know and i'm like oh bye bird that's <laughs> as a 14 year old first watching this movie i fell in love with that flute solo oh really i don't know if you even remember the music uh nope but there, there's like this gorgeous like all 16th notes crazy like as the bird flies and it's very it's bird like and i've 
mm-hmm. tried so hard. Like I can't. I don't think they made a clip of it. Oh really? So I don't think on the soundtrack it exists. Huh. I have looked for the sheet music. I, I it's been a long time since I've looked for it. I used to play flute. Listeners. Um, <laughs> I've looked for it. Uh, and it's been a while, but I never found it. And so I was just super bummed. I was like, this is a thing that I want to know how to play. Hmm. And I never, never got my hands on it. So again, Help. if and you know things, hit me up. Hit us up. <sighs> hmm. A few more things. Okay, when it comes to effects, mm, Monster Book was fun. I liked the Monster Book. That was uh, It was a really fun scene. And then, the, and then when they actually got to class, I really <laughs> loved the like... Hag- like Hager didn't have that like sad like oh I thought they were funny like he didn't have that like my feelings are hurt yeah. he- but he was very no nonsense like obviously you do this and I love that moment where Malfoy strokes the spine and then he like just <laughs> sneers like yeah. whatever like yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. worked but still not impressed yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it-, it showed again Hagrid is a capable adult and mm-hmm. he's gonna like assume that like people can keep up with him and there's not this weird like apologizing for existing thing yeah that yeah. he he uh has earned this he deserves this position yeah like yeah. he he might not have the traditional education but he is qualified mm-hmm. and i feel that from the beginning and then also when he picks malfoy up and takes him away like all that is just very like he knows how to handle this. He knows what happens when someone is hurt by yeah, a creature, yeah. what you have to do. Yep. Yeah. And it just. It was done really well. And how he likes uh, Hayes's Buckbeak back after attacking Malfoy and all that. Like, mm-hmm. he just feels very. Uh, yes, he loves his creatures and yes, they are his family to him, but he also has a very real understanding of of the level of danger that comes with them. And I am responsible for these kids. And so I I don't like that to me made the real attack on his profession that much more acute. Yeah. Because he didn't in the books, he feels like, like I'm lucky and I got this thing and I'm just like, and just so delighted to be there, but not Mm. necessarily aware of the risks that he's presenting these kids with. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, Hagrid, just yeah, good character. Another, Did- we talked. You talked a little bit about the Dementors. Mm-hmm. A thing of the effects that I've never liked with the Dementors mm-hmm. is, is it their mouth. It, no, it's the like face sucking what? that they do. Why? Because. Be- I don't like I guess I don't really know a better way to show how it like drains you of, yeah. of good things. Yeah. But uh, from the very first time like it's very pointed and I don't think that that's how it works. Where, oh, like it's I not an I step aura. into the room and ev- and like everything in my vicinity yeah. turns. Whereas, like, when we first meet the Dementor on the train, it mm. turns to Harry. And it, like, sucks, like, and his face kind of blurs off. Yeah. And I think yeah. the effect's cool. I just think from a storytelling perspective, it it has sort of mutated their power into mm. a lot more pointed. 
and I'm, and therefore a lot more malicious. Yeah. And I think that there is malice in these characters, but I I don't think across the board they're looking at Harry and going, "Ooh, yes, give me give hmm. me all of it." Hmm. Like it's it's just not I don't know I how think... I imagined it, which which I know that's that's something that I've tr- I'm trying to overcome. Where if these movies aren't how I imagine them, that doesn't mean that that it's bad. But yeah. that's I feel like in direct conflict with what actually happens and hmm. what their abilities actually are. I think mm, I don't know. It worked for me. <laughs> it's like a Dementor going around with a straw and being like, and I'm going to sample some from you now, and, and then I'm going to be done, and I'm going to go over here and sample some from you. And so I think in my mind it it felt more like they're like drug dogs and i think the aura thing they tried to show through the freezing effect on the glass and like which i think works really well yeah, i so, loved that so there is like a chilling aura that everybody can feel around them so like that's kind of how they did that but in my mind in the movies that whole sucking effect that was invisible we saw it as the viewers of the movie but i don't think ron and hermione saw it i don't think lupin saw it i i mean I think Harry may have seen it happening to Lupin, but I I would implore you to watch those scenes again and think maybe nobody else sees this. Maybe this is purely for the benefit of the viewer. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's it's like a focused like to me the well, dement- was focused. The Dementor's yeah. kiss is focused. Yeah. And when I first saw this, I thought that they were saying he was almost about he was about to get the dementor's kiss on the train. I think it's it did certainly seem that way in the movie. And, and that's it, not where the stakes were. And so that that hmm. to me is like there's no way that he's just wandering around and some dementor is just going to look at him and be like <laughs> and mm, give him the dementor's that kiss. That dude, your soul's mine right now. Yeah. Like yeah, that's a good point. So uh, it's it absolutely like elevates how sinister they are and maybe that's needed, oh, but okay. It did feel weird. I feel like they needed to make it apparent that the Dementors were real dangerous right off the bat. So that's how they chose to do it. Yeah. Kind of a weird trade-off. Kind yeah. of a weird trade-off. It'd yeah. be one thing if you saw the, the essence coming from, like you said, all three of them or something like that. But, eh. eh. Yeah, like I said, I don't really have a great alternative of how they yeah. could have done it better. Yeah. Of how they could have shown it better because you can write that like oh it's way easier to easily write it you can't show it on a screen as well like i almost need like 4d (laughs) where they like cool off the movie theater as it comes in (laughs) or something like that would work but uh, so i i completely sympathize with that's a really challenging thing to show yeah maybe someday so you ready for favorites least favorite parts i mean in in lieu of favorite quotes we're gonna talk about um you know what were your favorite changes least favorite changes stuff like that favorite right? moments and all favorite that moments. yeah yeah are you ready for that um yeah i think so i mean first or least favorites or what do you think there's a scene that i really loved on this viewing mm-hmm. that is such a throwaway it's it it does <laughs> basically nothing mm-hmm. except for establish the whimsy of hogwarts mm-hmm. and i just i just loved it it's the scene where all the boys are in their dormitory and they're eating some sort of candy that like <laughs> makes them into like animals and oh train and yeah stuff. they're doing that is yeah okay you didn't like it i can tell yeah, yeah. but 
I really like there's something about you know a bunch of boys sitting around and of course picking the candy that's incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable and just yeah. daring each other to do it. That's it just, a good point. Yeah. It felt very real. Like I, I mean, I grew up around boys who would dare each other to like eat warheads and like oh yeah totally all that yeah. and and this is just the wizarding equivalent and it really <laughs> normalized them yeah while just being whimsical and and fun and I, that that scene has always felt like I, I i tried to sort of make sense of it as a kid of like what candy are they even eating and like is this some sort of like warped take on birdie bots every flavor beans that then makes you i was such a naysayer when i first thought of like this is not a real thing and i'm not okay with it and now like looking at it now it's like i don't care i don't care what they're eating (laughs) this is great this is this is real these are teenage boys being teenage boys making themselves uncomfortable for a candy (laughs) in my defense my only nitpick with it was is way more nitpicky than the actual decision itself i just didn't like the sound design i something about the way the sound design was i it didn't feel like the sounds were coming from the mouths as the mouths were making that noise at all okay so it's like that's it It it's just a sound design thing where i'm like nope whoever sound design this and and really they're acting of it too it's really hard to say like well okay act like you're making a lion's roar but you're not actually and we haven't decided which sound we're actually using yet so just kind of do a generic lion's roar head motion it's a really hard thing to pull off it's and and from a sound design standpoint they didn't really pull it off but like i watched i'm like i see what they're going for it's fun i the constrictions of that like to get it if they had nailed it just right and everything was perfect i would have been like wow they spent a lot of effort for a scene that does not matter <laughs> so it's like i watched it i'm like eh, they didn't really pull it off but i see what they're going for and it was fun and it was a throwaway scene like it, it was fine it was perfectly fine so it's like my only nitpicks are nitpicks that don't matter and did not affect the scene or did not affect the outcome see and i, I from where i'm sitting i i agree that like the it wasn't perfect Mm -hmm. but i think that's kind of part of the nature of this fictional candy that they created where like you eat it (laughs) and then you involuntarily do a thing yeah that's true and you kind of can't like it's not gonna be natural it's gonna be like you open and try to say anything and suddenly a sound come and it's yeah so it it was i agree it wasn't perfect but i i don't think it's supposed to necessarily make you into a lion with that like authority of a lion. Yeah, it's more just like something's gonna happen. Yeah, okay. And and like I said, I wasn't I didn't lose any sleep over it. I yeah. didn't anything. But when you mentioned that scene, like, eh. I uh, also I, I, I think I just really liked um the the sort of familiarity of their of the boys dorm scenes because i also really liked when harry's looking at the marauders map and mm-hmm, ron mm-hmm. wakes himself up a little bit mm-hmm. and 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 he's talking about spiders and having a nightmare and Harry looks <laughs> yeah. at him and he says like you get those spiders Ron yeah yeah <laughs> those little moments that that just it felt I don't think we ever get that familiarity in the book we don't get that like yeah we live through every day together and we yeah, live through yeah. every class together and these kids are like they are closer than siblings uh-huh. and 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 we we don't really get to see that and it was that <laughs> little moment of like yeah you are in each other's business yeah. and 
Like, you know what his greatest fear is. And of course you're having a nightmare about a spider. <laughs> like, you tell him. <laughs> yeah. I and that probably happens every night or like a couple enough. nights a week where Harry's just like, oh, another one. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a lot of like me and one of our listeners who go way back, listener Steve. Um, <laughs> yeah, I at Like Dan's wedding, he was sleep talking. And I had a moment like that where I'm like, still asleep there buddy and he's like yeah I don't know that. and I'm like okay like it reminded me so much of those like things where I'm just like yeah nope that that is how real people act in real situations and I the director just did such a better job with that so totally um so I don't know there and there's a there's an intimacy in that too yeah of, yeah of creating that these relationships that have a different depth from what we've gotten to see in the books mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I, I just really appreciate that for for establishing a closeness with so precious time yeah yeah that's a good moment good scene was that like one of your favorites or like what else did you like about it then what are, what are some other favorite moments favorite changes well i i feel like i already said like two of my favorite scenes already last, yeah. last episode of what i was looking forward to and they still are they, <laughs> they still hold up i love that first establishing leaky cauldron scene mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. harry comes down and that long shot and i love the like the the wizard like stirring his his tea with his finger with his, like yeah pointing at the spoon and he's reading stephen hawking and like, <laughs> oh i didn't catch that that's funny <laughs> and and like the other witch who's like having her uh, this floating teapot is pouring her tea and there's just like mm-hmm. so much commotion going around there's the server that has a impossibly high stack of plates that's yeah. shifting around and he's like holding it up magically and, and it's I'm just, like, run some of those back to the kitchen. What are you doing, dude? It just, yeah. in ways that the previous films couldn't, like, they just didn't do. I don't think they had the, the mm-hmm. money to do them, really. Yeah. They, they established well, and how magic is threaded through everything. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, it's done so well. It felt so much more natural. It didn't feel like they were slowly trying to introduce us to this magical world. It's like, nope, they're putting you in there. Listeners, er, watchers, viewers, whatever, they'll figure it out. They are smart. They will figure out and they will enjoy it. And we don't need to, you know, spoon feed this world to them. And and yeah, there were things at the forefront and like there there were things pulling your attention at certain points. Mm -hmm. But with the previous films, when there was something at the forefront, that was pretty much the only thing. It's a lot like like old school animation where you'd have like (laughs) a a solid background and then you add on top of it something moving around. Like reuse stuff, yeah. 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 It's uh, the previous films felt a lot like that whereas this felt like an entire moving canvas Mm, and if i don't want to look at the first thing that the camera's pointing me to there are other things to look at yeah and you can get there's so much richness in that scene that you could look at like the farthest away point where where the focus is Mm. and still see something happening that's magical yeah and and as a result hogwarts didn't feel like it was in a bubble I mean, the second movie, we saw this whole scene of, of the flying car and they're flying and you, you understand that Hogwarts is in the middle of this forest and it's this beautiful thing and you see it from above and yet it still doesn't convey as well that like, nope, Hogwarts is a part of a living, breathing world and it's there's a world beyond it. And like, for some reason, this movie did it better than the last movie, even though we didn't see this whole like all of these overhead flying scenes you know we saw it with some birds flying and Hedwig flying like we saw it but yeah I don't know it just felt really 
more feasible as a place. Well, in the last film, we spent a lot more time in Diagon Alley. Like we were in Flourish and Blots mm-hmm, and like we mm-hmm. we saw all these stores and they're they're these like magic filled places, but they don't they didn't feel um like they have a life of their own. Yeah, yeah. In in the way that I think Hogwarts does and I think so many magical locations do in yeah. the books. I almost want to see how this director would have handled the first two movies because there are a lot more challenges of establishing Hogwarts in the first two because there's so much we don't know yet. But I think I would have appreciated his take on it. But who knows? Uh, a few things that I liked and then I think you have one more written down that you want to talk about, but I want to get mine in real quick. Um, I felt like the the choices for exposition, especially... I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but Harry being under the invisibility cloak and the and the where the teachers were having this conversation that was not in a public place, I really that felt right. Um, I feel like cutting the firebolt down. I already said that. Um, Hermione's it, just all those little trade offs for time that we've talked about. I feel like they were made very wisely, and there were a lot of things that I just didn't miss. I just didn't miss that didn't need to be there, and. It, I don't know. That just sat right with me. Um, I also, so we, we talked about this a little bit, but Quidditch just didn't matter that much. I liked that. Um, the, but we got two matches. But they were so fast we, and it felt, there wasn't that weird racing under the, it, it just felt like. It was, yeah. uh, they didn't waste our time with it. Like we, yeah, we yeah. got Quidditch and we got two very different Quidditch matches mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, but they didn't, I didn't feel the, like the director needed to give it a definite start and end. Like we could yeah, start yeah. in the middle of the action, yeah. which isn't something that we've had yet. No, it was, we, so far we've as we had, start at the beginning of the match. Like, and... practically say the national anthem and, <laughs> like, handshake at the end. Like, yeah, we've had yeah. the whole match, it felt like. Yeah. And I, I'm so grateful that they didn't feel the need to do that. Yeah, me too. So definitely one of my favorite things. Also, the quotes that they did choose to use that were directly from the book, I feel like they chose good quotes, and I feel like they used them in a natural way, and they gave them their own flair that they only could with the movie. Like Harry saying, this is weird. I love that they had that, because in that moment, him standing there doing that, that's what he would have said, and that was the right time to do it. And and Dumbledore having these little comments about, oh, yes, perhaps I'll just go in for some tea then, or a large... like That, that delivery is so perfect, and it felt so right. Um, and even people telling Harry that he looked like his dad felt a bit more like, I don't know. It was a weird, it's kind of a weird thing to say to someone. And it kind of was a weird thing to say to him, but at the same time, it felt natural. I don't know. People do that to kids all the time though. Yeah. Yeah. Like growing up, I looked exactly like my aunt. Oh yeah. (laughs) And like, like I looked like I could have been her daughter. My mom, I think was a a little hurt by it for a long time because people would say that I look like my aunt and she was like, well... You're, you're part of my family too. <laughs> like huh. you're not just a small and uh, uh, but like all my life growing up, people who knew my aunt and knew me thought that I was my aunt's daughter. So and you they got would that say a that a lot, huh? But they they usually do give like a little bit of a preface and like a, I, I don't know. I feel like the way that Sirius did it, it felt like the way that an adult would say it. Where it's like I know you're probably tired of hearing this, but like I don't. He gave like I forget what the exact line was before, but it's like nope, that's the thing that people say. 
and in real life situations this is how people actually behave i just love but movies that portray humans acting the way humans act and i wish i didn't have to specify that but there are so many movies that do not do that at all that i feel like they should be commended when humans actually act like humans so that's my take um though serious is not what i expected or necessarily wanted yeah gary oldman it's kind of a weird choice all around super british and the first time i saw him like oh they're going with like a super british take on serious british am i you're giving me a look am i wrong yeah no i i didn't know that gary oldman was british oh really because i I guess i didn't either most of my familiarity with him is is as um uh commissioner gordon in batman in uh, the dark knight series Holy, that's the same guy? Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, when I saw You're this- kidding me. When I saw this again and I realized, oh, right, that's right, Gary, Sirius is played by Gary Oldman. Isn't he American? Is he the only American that they ever cast huh. in this? And no, turns out, well, also <laughs> turns out not the only American. A lot of extras were, but- Okay. Um, all, I think I, th- I think most of the main characters are- huh. From the British Isles, and yeah. and that was an intentional casting choice. They didn't want fake British accents, and they wanted to yeah. like really use that pool and enrich that. Yeah, so. but like even with the mustache and his outfits and everything, I'm like, whoa, British, super British. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I would call that super British. <laughs> oh man, it all felt that even I don't know for some reason just like some proper? combination of the mustache like, like and all the brown proper. No, some combination of like wardrobe and mustache um, huh. that made I, me think this guy's super British. Yeah, I struggle with Sirius. I think mm. there are they they did right by him in a lot of ways in this film by giving him time to be more than a crazed lunatic. Yeah, yeah. But then. Like there's kind of an overly saccharine goodbye scene that I really like the books. I really like that. It's like time is of the essence. We don't have time for this. You need to go. And he has to write a letter to, to really tie up all the loose ends because there was no time, but they can't have the letter. Well, wait, they did have the letter. They did. They, well, they, they had a letter that said like from Sirius and then like, here's, here's a note. This is probably good enough for Hogsmeade okay, or something. Okay, this reminds me. Wait a second. The whole scene with the cute owl delivering the letter. Is that Didn't the happen. movie? Didn't Holy happen. Holy cow. Okay, that's going on my, my least favorite changes then. I, I completely I, blanked that. Well, as soon as you said you were looking forward to oh, meeting Ron's new owl, yeah. I, I had to try so hard not to let my like... My pity for you show because just, it's like it's not there. It's I just, just remembered that. I just I I seriously auto completed it in my head where I'm like, of course there was that scene. Why would they take the scene out? I think maybe Hedwig oh, delivers the firebolt. That makes me so sad. Ah. Uh. So, but so yeah, back back to serious. Like the the sort of overly saccharine exit, and mm-hmm. then also. There were a bunch of lines that Lupin and Sirius said mm-hmm. that were actually Dumbledore lines. Oh. And and oh. they were word for word what the book had, but they were just said by different people. That 
tricked me. <laughs> that fooled me then. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote some because of them I, down. I thought those were quotes right from the book because I heard them and I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds familiar. Well, there was like Sirius saying, you really are the brightest witch of your age. Oh, yeah. Um, but he doesn't right. say that in the book. Uh, really? Lupin remarks on Hermione being one of the brightest witches of her age. And that also happens in the film. Yeah. And then Sirius echoes it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, there was, there was another one. Um, the, oh, when, when Harry's having a, a, an, a basically an existential, existential <laughs> crisis over uh-huh. like, why didn't I just kill Peter when I had the chance and, and it didn't even make a difference. He still went out and, and Lupin in the film says like, didn't make a difference. Are you, are you serious? Yeah. That's, that's a conversation with Lupin, I believe when Lupin's resigning. Whereas in the, in the book it's with Dumbledore. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. So like, okay. Um, and Sirius has the like, yeah. oh, you have your mother's eyes, and that's a Lupin line. So like, it's really odd. Sirius said that. Sirius oh, says yeah. you have your mother's eyes. Yeah. Lupin when... also says it earlier. Yeah, I was but like, say, I'm like they both said it. Yeah. Sirius comments on you really are your father's son, in the book, mm. and then also in the film. I think that's just how they. I think serious echoing Lupin's quotes from the movie. Like that's how we kind of tied in. Like no, 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 no. This guy. He's like Lupin in that you can trust him because he's like Lupin. See, and uh, I I mean it it works fine enough. Like I I like all the characters. I the I struggle a little bit with like Lupin already feels sort of like a more more accessible Dumbledore. And yeah. now you're giving me another one who's at like Lupin becomes more accessible Dumbledore and then Sirius becomes more Lupin like. Like it, yeah. it's just it's yeah. a lot of like sort of like water rolls downhill. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> if you start one at one place, someone else has to carry all these other lines, or um, either that, or you make one character much more than it should be. Yeah, and and so it's it's just it's interesting, and it's interesting that so many of Dumbledore's lines actually get reallocated so that they can make these other Dumbledore lines that some of them don't make a ton of sense. Yeah, like the um. I simultaneously really like and really don't like Dumbledore's uh op- I think it's the opening feast speech about how like uh happiness can always be found even if only someone remembers to, to, to turn oh, on the light. Yeah, 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 something like and, that. And there, there's all sorts of internet rage over that because why would a wizard think of turning on a light? Like that's what? a very muggle oh turn on versus of... versus like lighting a torch or, or or making light or or something i mean like yeah. <laughs> just turning on a light is a very electricity uh, never even thought focus. about that yeah. oh there's so much internet rage on it <laughs> <laughs> i that went right or i didn't even care but it did feel like the way he said the quote i'm like this feels like the way someone says a quote when you need to recall it later like it, it felt like they were giving that a quote, like remember that he said this because this matters, and then it didn't matter at all. And I'm like, okay, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if only one remembers to turn on the light. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, is that referring? If that is foreshadowing, is that referring to the Patronus? I don't know. 
Um, it's. I mean, the the one of the motifs of the movie is this this actual darkness with like depression with the mm. Dementors and with Sirius Black and there's the, like this like threat constantly hanging over everyone and if you succumb to that mm-hmm. and you forget that you are able to be the light essentially mm-hmm. oh. like it, it like Thanks. yeah you yeah. can lose you can lose that happiness and so i i don't quibble with the <laughs> message i don't quibble with dumbledore saying it it's it's nitpicking but it also like he has great lines or yeah. or maybe the issue is dumbledore's not a character in this book and they needed dumbledore to be a character yeah, i in think this that's movie. probably more than anything <laughs> because like i hear that line i'm like but why why did why does this whole i don't know it they're like it, well we need dumbledore to say something so and, and we have a new dumbledore and we need to make sure people yeah. buy in yeah so i think that's a lot more what it is it's like yep we have this new Dumbledore. We need to make him say things. Let's just have him give some 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 pep talks. You're the light. Be the light. Uh, so another thing that I, I do like I want to say, they handled the whole time turner thing really well and the passage of time and how they made it, even though it was something that took a, you know, a while to happen, they somehow made it fit. I don't know. I feel like they filled every moment of that and they used it really well to fill in some blanks from earlier. Um, they're much more meddlesome in the film yeah. than they are in the book. And I don't know how I feel about that. I was thinking as they, I was watching it, like, so this isn't the first iteration of Harry and Hermione that we're seeing. We're seeing, like, yeah, the ones that we're following are the second time around. Which was cool. <laughs> and, and you know, even though Hermione's like, don't, don't, don't do that, like, they needed to do something to fill in the time. It would have been so boring for them to just be like, if we had just watched them sidestep everything and try to be passive characters. I don't want to watch that. Like, I want to see them playing with the notion that it's the second time around. And even though it's it's unwise and they shouldn't be and they know they shouldn't be, like, it needed... It, I liked that. I really do. And, and I also liked how they filled in the blanks with... Um, well, what about that werewolf? Didn't that werewolf go somewhere? And then it's right. like, yeah, werewolf found him again. That question in the book of, okay, he just ran off the yeah. end. Yeah. It is is pretty low stakes, ultimately. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked what they did with that a lot. That was definitely one of my favorite things, which is seeing how they handled the time turner. And I actually liked the movie's approach to it more than the books. Um, just not the way the werewolf looked and the fact that they felt like they needed to show every step of the transformations, but I didn't pick that. And Pettigrew even, like, cackling and giving this evil wave goodbye before yeah. we transformed like, it was that Ugh. that whole all of that scene was very campy Grown. It's, yeah. it, it, and i 100 percent blame the the tendency to to pay homage to yep. previous like yeah all of that it was very we're gonna tie this up in a bow yep 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 Ugh. but everything else around it i liked it was just that one moment and that one set piece where all that stuff happened like the werewolf all the transformations and stuff it was a lot it was a lot but whatever i liked everything else uh now are you ready to move on to dislikes i, I mean we've covered so many of them but can yeah. i can i talk about something that's a little obscure <laughs> Sure. You're probably gonna be a little annoyed with this, okay. but I, I, so okay, <laughs> so we get to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. and there's a choir singing. 
I did. I did notice this. I'm like, this was nowhere in the no mention of choir has occurred at yeah. Hogwarts. Yeah, which um, tiny Alyssa, who like dreamed of going to Hogwarts, loved the notion of there being a <laughs> choir at Hogwarts because I love choir, and that would probably be a really hard part for me as a small child to be like. But I have to give up music to make magic? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Especially when Dumbledore said. <laughs> it is magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to point out, it, it's an odd reference. And I did a little bit. So I'm going to have a the tiny. Halloween song? A tiny literary analysis of this. Okay. Because it's, it's not a Halloween song. It's pulled from Macbeth. Oh. It is what it is what in the opening scene of Macbeth the sh- the witches say, they're they're like making this potion, um and I, so I was trying to figure out like what are what's the point why mm-hmm. why are we making this reference because it's a weird reference and no one no one else deals with it throughout the whole movie but there's yeah. quite a bit of time given to that in the background yeah they have a they they wanted to. <laughs> They had a whole day to shoot that choir, and boy, did they want to keep those scenes. And and like, and it's the transition into Hogwarts. That's your that it, it's your first mm-hmm. view of Hogwarts in mm-hmm. this film is with double double toil and trouble. Yeah. Which and so I, I did a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, in Macbeth, the witches say this, and it predicts Macbeth's fate. Hmm. And uh, it's it's it feels kind of ominous in the way that they wrote it. It's in a minor key. Um, and I was trying to figure out, like, OK, so if, if we're trying to, like, call someone Macbeth in this, what it, what does Macbeth do and what is it? Um, he's predicted to be king. So he kills the king and takes the throne for himself. And then he has to keep killing to cover his tracks. Snape is Macbeth. So, and then he goes mad as he's trying to create this, and 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 then ultimately the crowd kills him. Snape is Macbeth. <laughs> I was trying to figure out is is this like is it sort of ominous, and we're trying to figure out who Macbeth is in this? Mm. Is it? I don't think it's Snape in this movie. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> I my money's on Peter Pettigrew or Voldemort. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Like it's it's someone who or pedigree yeah who seizes power and then does everything he can to make sure he keeps having the power and then is ultimately Shanghai. I think it's Pettigrew on a this film scale, but Voldemort on a arc scale. Huh. Well, <laughs> I knew you were gonna hate this. I'm sorry. That's really uh yeah. But I just I'm sure I, the director definitely thought all those things probably did oh my gosh you are calling bs on this when they're giving it when they're shoving it down your throat no, for five no. minutes no. i call bs on your bs no i'm just giving you flack <laughs> i'm giving you flack it is absolutely intentional yeah directors don't put that sort of stuff in you don't make Oops. a Macbeth reference yeah yeah no i know especially because they're all Macbeth matters so much on that side of the ocean well so. and and they could like it it, they can pass it off as oh well it's it's i mean it's a common witchy thing it double is. double toil and trouble yeah fire uh fire burn and cauldron bubble and, and all that's that. why like, in my head it was like oh yeah the halloween song because it's like yeah that for most people that's just gonna be like a fun wizardy song about making a spell you know so yeah so like I, it, it works on the surface level yeah. where you don't question it but if you want to question it there's depth <laughs> there that's actually pretty interesting Alyssa. 
That's actually pretty interesting. I, I fought you into submitting. <laughs> That's no, no, what no, I just no, no. did. <laughs> no, I was just getting my jabs in. I mean, it's it's a you it's know. obscure, and I just wanted to. I I don't think the last director would have done anything so nuanced. I really no. don't. <laughs> and I mean, of course, they they dressed it up as a caricature with a bunch yeah. of kids holding bullfrogs, but which was and directed by Flitwick, which of course, like if any teacher is going to direct a choir, it's going to be it's Professor gonna be Flitwick. Flitwick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I like that. And I actually do like knowing that, that, that song choice was very intentional. I like that they had the frogs because it's really hard to find a bass in a bunch of children. <laughs> it's really hard to find a true bass. I mean, you'll have your Hagrids occasionally, but um, yeah, pretty tricky. So the frogs, that was so funny. I'm like, man, we could have used that in high school. So that was great. that was my obscure point. Thank you for making me <laughs> for letting me make it. Of course. Uh, hmm. That was that was all I got. We got Pettigrew on the map was problematic for me um the truncated ending this is the um in three books the book has ended at king's cross station Mm -hmm. and this is the first movie that hasn't ended that way totally okay with that i have mixed feelings about it totally fine with that (laughs) it's i i think the like harry gets on the firebolt and runs away to everyone cheering is like Okay. Hit me over the head with a frying pan. This is too much. I had blanked out how this movie ended in my head. (laughs) That's how it ends? Is Harry on the firebolt? Yeah. Harry runs off on the... uh, He flies off on the firebolt. Everyone, like, chases him out to the courtyard and cheers him on as he runs... uh, As he flies off. And it, like, freezes on his face. And it's kind of motion blurred. Okay. I'm adding that to my list of things I don't like about this movie. I I think uh, they... Like, a lot of the things that they saved for the end were smart. But... Mm. It, it's just a little my brain is way too good at blocking out stuff i don't care for because <laughs> i seriously i'm like that happened nope yep. I, I completely did not find that worth remembering it felt it felt actually you know what now that i think about it i think i lied i think the second film didn't end at king's cross the second film ended with hagrid coming back and everybody celebrating around him uh, so basically yeah. i have a problem with people celebrating <laughs> At the end of a movie. <laughs> Freeze like, frame. High five in the air. <laughs> like, I really liked it in The Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But th- that that's about it. So far in a Harry Potter movie, not so much. No, it's the movie equivalent of a song just echoing away. <laughs> it's like, that's not, that doesn't count. Right. No, it, it's the like celebrate and then it freezes with people in midair. Yeah, the freeze frame high and- five. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, man. So. Okay. Yeah. That's also something I don't like because what a stupid <laughs> ending. <sighs> that's okay. good. Well, hey, we'd love to hear if you guys like agree with us or disagree with us or if we like miss something and you guys have been yelling at your podcast player of choice this whole time like looking at you former roommate yeah yeah looking <laughs> at you i'm sure uh i i forget what it was but um i guess we need to talk to about some harry potter stuff um funny funny stuff so uh yeah please please talk to us we're at wordstruck pod on twitter uh how else can you get a hold of us you don't remember my twitter handle <laughs> it's at Alyssa j small nope oh, i'm boy. at Alyssa small and that's at clark hodges mm-hmm. you can also find us on instagram and you can email us at wordstruckpodcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and hopefully next time you hear from us we'll be telling you some more about you know books that shaped us and then we'll move on to a different story absolutely all right thanks everybody so much for joining us on this journey 
of book three. It's been great. It's been way fun. Uh, I wish I... Isn't there a good buy? There's got to be a good line from the book that I can say. God bless us, everyone. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, that's not... (laughs) Wrong book. Yeah, so... You really do have your father's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks, Alyssa. (laughs) I I actually do. Uh, That's why I said it. So thanks, everybody. It's been great. Thanks for reading this book with us. Shoot. It's been real fun. Let's do it again sometime. Uh, Have a good day, everybody. Bye. (laughs) This is the most uncomfortable ending. (laughs) It's almost like we haven't been doing it.